Good morning and welcome to worship today at Kern Church. My name is Will and I'm the pastor here. It's such a joy to be with you in worship today. Here at Kern Church, we're committed to creating belonging and hope by connecting you to a life renewed by Jesus and deeply committed to other people. And that's my hope for you today is that you feel that sense of belonging and hope. Well, let me uh, say a, a word of prayer this morning as we continue worshiping. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this time together. I pray blessings upon each one who is here. May you open their hearts to receive something special from you this day. May you help them connect with you, to connect with someone else. And may your spirit, spirit be joyed, overjoyed by our worship. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know, it's uh, not news to anybody, and I'm sure it's not news to you, you don't have to look far to see division in our polarized environment in which we live. Locally, we saw this recently with, the, with our, city's most, our city's response to our most recent snowstorm. You know, we had, we, had, we had the snowstorm and we had the lingering ice that was just kind of hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. And um, I, I think that I'm sure that there are some things that could be learned about this uh, from a policy standpoint about how to deal with this. But the thing that really struck me is, 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 is how people in the midst of it kind of got heated and divided on, on what was happening. And, and the division kind of came down into two camps. One group is when the city would share uh, about, this is online, when the city would share about snow and ice removal or, or the obstacles of, about why the ice won't melt because it's colder than the melting point of salt and ice together. And, you know, anyways, but why, why, this, why this was going on, some people were, would share on social media, oh, we thank you so much for all that you're doing and, and, and trying to, to trying to get us uh, safe, you know, everybody stay safe, keep your family safe, keep your warm. And, and then other people would, um, or the other response was people would complain and, 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 and complain about the city's response and, 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 and suggest that there are much better ways of doing this and, and, and why and all this and, and shoot accusations about how the response was going on. And, and I, 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 uh, I then would see that it was not just those that were responding this way, but if you were following along on social media, you would also see the, the people in the comments section. Now, this is, you really want to see the underbelly of society. Just look at the comments section. And the people in, in the comments section would, would say, would, would start championing those who were, who were lambasting the city's response, or people would start lambasting the people who were criticizing and complaining about the city's response. And you kind of had this division. And, and I don't want to be, I just want to say this, I don't want to be too hard on folks that were, that were complaining about, about the ways that the city was responding because I, I was safe and sound. I, like, my family was together. We had enough food. Our, we had our heat worked. Like, like our, my house is a safe place to live in. And so we did not have like this emerging emergency reason that we had to be out of our home. And so I don't want to judge people too harshly who, who were really complaining and really having a hard time about this. But it really struck me about the division that just was created in the midst of a, of, of a few days in, in our own communities. And this is probably thing that kind of plays out in communities all over when, when disasters, or this really wasn't a disaster, but when big, big things like this happen. And I'm sure that, um, that you're not really surprised about this division, even this division on the local level, because we see it all the time. And of course, this is, is really pronounced 
in our, in our nation's dialogue as well. We have, um, we have our own, we all have our own political opinions. We all have our own thoughts about what might make our society and our nation a better place in which to live. And, and this, is, this is the type of thing that is supposed to call you to, to action, to help you make a positive difference by supporting candidates that you think might make a positive difference, or supporting policy that might make you make a positive difference. And this is ideally, this is in the ideal world, what causes people to act in this way, to run for office, to, to try to make a difference. But something has just broken down these days. Something has just broken down these days. And um, we are gearing up for everybody's favorite event every four years. And it's not the Summer Olympics. It's the presidential election. And um, uh, we got somebody in the back that's excited about that. They're young enough to, to... to realize that anyways. But anyway, but, but we're, we are gearing up for this time, but even as we're gearing up for this presidential election cycle, we are still, still reeling from the last one. And don't worry right now, okay? I am not about to start talking about January 6th, and I'm not about to start speculating on whether or not President Trump, former President Trump, is responsible for the actions there. These are questions that our courts are dealing with. These are questions that our voters are going to deal with. And I have opinions about these things, as you likely do. But here's the deal. My opinions um, are my opinions. And I, I'll gladly talk to you about anything I have an opinion about. But this isn't the place for that. Um, because the only thing that I could do is get some of you to agree with me, and some of you would disagree with me. And so I wouldn't sway you at all. Instead, all All that we would accomplish was bringing the polarization and the division that we see around us into this time and into this space. And instead, I think all these questions and all this division are really a symptom of a greater problem that our society here in this nation faces. And I want to share with you one study that really brought this home for me from the Pew Research Center. And this study has nothing to do with the outcome of the 2020 election because it was done before the 2020 election. So we're in safe territory here, right? And so a study was done with people in the month leading up to the 2020 election. And it's no secret that that leading into any election, the candidates and the people that support these candidates, they they have a difference, differing opinions on how they think the the nation or the local government whatever should be run. And, and these differences are, in an ideal world, what cause you to support one candidate over the other. And these days, we get to where there's kind of like stark differences between, between the candidates and the political parties on how to address some really serious, serious issues. And that's to be expected. But what really got me from this Pew Research uh, poll is that they found, this is the month prior to the 2020 election, the month prior to the 2020 election, 80 to 90 percent of voters in both camps, so 80 to 90 percent of voters in both camps said that the differences that they were that were on the ballot were not just policy differences but these were core differencing differences of opinions on American values. So they said, it's not about policy, it's we are voting about what it really means to be an American. That means 80 to 90 percent of people in both camps had this opinion. And on top of this, 
Um, on top of this, both camps worried that if the other party or the other candidate was elected, that it would lead to lasting harm in the United States. So 80 to 90% of the people who were voting had this belief that if the other one, won, other guy won, there'd be lasting harm in the United States and that the values that they hold dear would be under threat. And I want to say that there is a difference in holding differing views. There's a difference between holding differing views and then hating the people you disagree with or labeling the people you disagree with as as un-American or as immoral. And my fear is that you and as you and I are moving into another election cycle, this is only going to increase. And what happens is, is you bring it home. You bring it home, right? You bring it home and you might get anxious about it. You bring it home and, and this type of division, it's not just in, on the TV. This is the type of division that is in your home. It's in your pocket with your smartphone. It's with you wherever you go and you hear about it. From debates on social media, from differing debates about differing responses to COVID in the past few years, to problems and divisions that our kids face at school, division like this, it breaks. Division breaks. It breaks things down. It breaks down families. It breaks down friendships. It breaks down love. And it breaks down society. So, so before we get closer and deeper into this election season, I want to, to just stop and, and to spend some time offering a different perspective. And so you're like, great, we come to church and we're talking about politics. Um, maybe, uh, um, yeah, I get some, some nodding. Thank you, Julie. Um, <laughs> but but we, we come to church and, and we got to talk about politics. Well, here's the thing. I guess we don't have to talk. I'm the only one talking right now, but we, but we could talk about it. Uh, but, but the preacher is going to talk about politics. But here, what I want to suggest to you is that I, I think that there is a different way that you, you can look into this time. There's a different way that you can handle this division. There's a different way, perhaps even a better way, of going about life these days. And I want to offer you that there is hope in this better way. But here's the deal. Here's the deal about this better way. And I want to share this with you. It's all about, it's all about Jesus. This better way is all about Jesus. And, and I think it is Jesus who offers you and I a better way of approaching the election, a better way of approaching how to live these days. And, and, and the, the one thing I'll say about that is that this is uh, the way that Jesus offers is a better way for people who are following after Jesus. So what I'm going to share with you are not concepts and ideas that we can really put on society at large. We cannot place this on somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. And so if you are here today and you're not already a follower of Jesus, I want to say welcome, thank you for being here. But what I want you to know is that we're not sharing with you things that you have to believe, but maybe this can give you a glimpse in what it's supposed to mean to follow after Jesus and the hope that it can be when you follow after Jesus along this better way. And so today we're finishing a message series called A Better Way, where we're looking at a better way of living And today we're focusing on looking at a better way in a world that divides. And as we do this, I want to share with you about a time in Jesus' life when he showed us what it meant to live in a better way in a world that was divided. 
So if you have a Bible, if you want to follow along with me, we're going to share the Bible passage on the screens, but I'm going to be reading from the book of John. Now, John was a close follower of Jesus, and, and he spent that time with Jesus, and then he wrote down what he experienced with Jesus. And so John tells us a story about a time when Jesus was traveling north from Judea, which is kind of the area around Jerusalem, from Judea into Galilee, which was an area in the north. Now, the shortest route from Jerusalem and Judea to the north, to Galilee, went through a region called Samaria. What you have to know about this in kind of the early, early times is that Jesus and his friends mostly were Jews. And, and the people that lived in Samaria, with the land that was between Galilee and Jerusalem, these people were not Jews, they were Samaritans. And here's the deal, there was a great deal of division and animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans. Some scholars would argue that Jews would not even travel through Samaria. Instead, they would take the long way around. They would go, they would, you know, we're not going to drive through this place. It's like, you know, if you're going on a highway, we know the cops are going to be watching the roads. We're going to go around. And that's what, that's what many scholars say the Jews would do, is that they would go east through the Jordan River, go over the Jordan River or through it, and go up around to get north. And that was a long way around, perhaps the polite way, to make it to the north. A much longer trip, but it was done because there was so much animosity and division with the Samaritans. I share this because in what John tells us, and what I'm just about to read, is that Jesus doesn't take this long route. Jesus doesn't take the polite route. Instead, Jesus has to get to where he's going, evidently a little quicker than politeness would, would allow. And so he has to travel through Samaria to get here. Here's what John tells us in John chapter 4, beginning in verse 3. Jesus left Judea and went back to Galilee, and he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, which was near the land of Jacob, Near the land Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from his journey. So he sat down at the well, and it was about noon. So this was a hard trip, y'all. This was about a 35-mile trip through rocky and hilly terrain. Nothing is easy about this trip. And when Jesus gets to this town, this town called Sychar, he is tired. And, and remember, there's this deep division between Jews, Jesus was a Jew, and, and the Samaritans who lived in this town. And these groups of people, they hated each other, and they didn't trust each other. They believed that each group had their own values, their own different values, and that the other group was rotten. Okay? They didn't like each other. John continues to tell us in verse 7 that while Jesus was there, a Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me some water to drink. And the disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, she knows they're not supposed to like each other, so she says, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Then John tells us that Jews and Samaritans don't associate with each other. Division breaks. It breaks communities. It breaks trust. It breaks people. Division breaks people apart. And John, the one telling the story here, tells the reader, tells you that, that, that even if you have perhaps had forgotten, if you had forgotten, there is a great divide between the Jews and the Samaritans. A, a different translation of the Bible says that in, Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking about or talking to Samaritans. 
Jews wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Now, in some communities, perhaps, Republicans wouldn't be caught dead talking to Democrats, and there's other communities where Democrats might not be caught dead talking to Republicans. Um, I don't think Jesus said that, so you can like forget that. But, but that, like, this is the division that, that is present these days. These divides are, are so, so deep. The, the divide between the Jews and the Samaritans was not just about policy, it was about their core values. And if they had been in a republic together, perhaps the Pew Research could have done a study before the election and found that about 90% of them thought the other side was just rotten and that if they got elected, that, um, that, the, that the nation was doomed for whatever the nation was doomed for. But what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He doesn't focus on the division. Jesus doesn't focus on the division. He is thirsty and is like, I just need some water. He just asked for a drink. But the woman is confused because she knows that they're not supposed to be talking to each other. She knows that they're supposed to stay apart from each other. She knows that they aren't supposed to be together. And then Jesus is about to offer her something that is greater than the division that they carry. In verse 10, John tells us that Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me water to drink, you would be asking Him. And he would give you living water. And then the woman said to him, Sir, you don't have a bucket. Jesus said, you would be asking me for water. And the woman's like, you're ridiculous. I know I'm not supposed to like you, and now you're trying to trick me because you don't even have a bucket. You don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave this well to us, and he drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. I mean, I think she's still skeptical here. Uh, she knows the divides are deep, and this is just some guy that's trying to mess it up. He, he can't be thinking, this man can't be thinking that he is better, he is, he is more important than, than me and my family and my ancestors. I have a heritage that is deep, and this man, he's an outsider, and he can't be telling me something that's better than what we already have. But Jesus replies that he, he, he's not there about the divisions that break apart. Instead, he replies that he is there, Jesus is there, offering something greater than division. He is offering a different way of living, God's way of living. And when she hears this, she starts to get excited. And John continues to tell us about this in verse 13, that Jesus answered that everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will will give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, sir, give me this water. Give me this water. I want it so that I will never be thirsty and I will never need to come draw water here again. So at this point, the woman is beginning to recognize that something is different. At this point, the woman is beginning to recognize that there is something more than what keeps them apart. And then she and Jesus have this conversation about her her living situation. And as they have this conversation about her living situation and her family, she begins to realize that this isn't just a man, that he must be a prophet. 
He must be a special person of God. And so she takes this as a chance to ask him a question. She's like, you know what, I've got this prophet here. He knows a lot. And so I'm going to ask him a question that I I think is a really good question. I'm going to see what he has to say and see what his opinion is uh, about this. And so she, she gives to Jesus and asks Jesus to answer one of the big questions that divides the Jews and the Samaritans. This is what she asked in verse 20. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. But you and your people say that it's necessary to worship in Jerusalem. So she's telling Jesus, she's like, I have always, my people have always believed that this is what is right and this is what we're supposed to do, but your people tell us we have to do it a different way. This is, um, to me, this is kind of like sharing some, some water with Jesus and asking him, you know, who's right? Who, who's right? Which candidate is right? Is it the Republicans like, like I've always thought, or it's the Democrats that, like they've always thought? You know, which group across the divide is correct? And to this, Jesus responds in verse 21. He says to her, Believe me, woman, there's a time coming when you and your people will worship the Father, neither in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You and your people worship what you don't know. We worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews. But the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. And the Father looks for those who worship Him this way. God is spirit and it is necessary to worship God in spirit and in truth. And here it seems that Jesus just says, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. I think this is kind of like Him saying, you know, There's a bit of truth on both sides of the divide. But even as there's a bit of truth on both sides of the divide, there's a better way altogether. The things that divide break. The things that divide break. But God has a better way. And so regarding her question about worship, Jesus tells her that that God has a better way, a way of worship that is full of spirit and that's full of truth. And I think there's a lot to learn that we can learn from Jesus about what he has to say here. But today I don't want to focus so much on what Jesus has to say about worship, even though I think it's important. What I want to focus on are the actions of Jesus. Not so much the specifics of what he said, but what he actually did. Because instead of being defined by the division of his day, which was deep and and profound, Jesus created a new community in the unity of God. Division breaks, but community creates unity in Jesus. And that's what Jesus is trying to demonstrate by this action. And if you keep reading the, the story here, that's exactly what happened The woman gets a new vision about this community in Jesus and begins to tell other people about it. And many in the town set aside their divisions and everything that they had been doing and and, and everything that divides them from other people. And they come together and, and create and enter into a new community in Jesus Christ. Today we call that new community the church. That's when, when Christians talk about the church, this is what we're actually talking about, this new community that is created and made possible through Jesus. The church that is made up of people who follow Jesus. It is made up of people who say that, that Jesus is Lord before anything else or anyone else. Division breaks, but community creates unity in Jesus Christ. And remember how I said that this was kind of an instruction for people who follow Jesus. 
We just saw how Jesus invites people, how Jesus invites people to reach across the divides in the story. But later, Jesus tells us that, that this specific act is going to be the defining characteristic for his followers. This specific act is going to be the defining characteristic for the followers of Jesus. Later on, Jesus tells his closest followers, and John tells us about this too later on in John chapter 13, but, but later on, Jesus tells his closest followers, I give you a new commandment. All right, their ears peek up. I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Love each other just as I have loved you. So you must also love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. To me, one of the saddest things about the political divisions around us is the way they've made it into churches, is the way that they've made it into faith. Many people believe that they are so right about their political divisions. They are so right about their political position that they cannot even imagine being associated with someone who disagrees with them. And so political division has broken apart many churches and has turned other churches into echo chambers where people, where it requires people to believe the same thing about a candidate or to believe the same thing about their nation, where, where people come to be affirmed in their political beliefs. But division, it always breaks. It always breaks. And in this commandment that Jesus gave His followers, He doesn't say, I give you a new commandment. I give you a new commandment. Be right with all your political opinions. And make sure you only watch the news that agrees with you and makes the other side look really bad. And, and makes you angry about the people that disagree with you. Jesus didn't say, make sure you watch YouTube videos that only talk about how bad the other half of America is. He said, think about things differently. He said, I have a commandment for you. It's to live differently. This way is not for the church. Jesus has a better way. Instead, Jesus says to those in the church... Love each other. Love each other. And this is not one of those things that you can legislate across the nation. You can't just say, you know, everybody's going to love each other. That, that kind of thing does not work from a legislative uh, standpoint. I, I think it would be great if it could because that would be pretty awesome. Uh, but this is something that is only possible. The reason it can't happen is because this is something that is only possible through the power of Jesus. It's only possible through the power of Jesus for those who follow the better way that Jesus lived. And like I said, today we call, we call this community the church. The church. And, and this love that, that people in the church are supposed to have with each other is supposed to be the, the defining characteristic of what makes a church. This is supposed to be what the church is known for. So much so that Jesus said that people will know that something is different about you. People will know that something is different about you because in the world of division, people will see that you are not consumed with the division around you, but people will know that you follow Jesus because of how much you love. How much you love those others who follow Jesus. Division breaks, but community creates unity in Jesus. With this in mind, what does this mean for you? 
What does this mean for you as we journey together through a political season that promises to, to heighten division and, and fault lines that are already present and to perhaps create even more? The first thing I, I want to suggest is that it means that you need to keep your, your political divisions in perspective. Keep your political divisions, your political thoughts in perspective. Most, if, if not all, policy and political division in our nation today is not of ultimate importance. It's easy to think that in the heat of it, it is. It's easy to think that in the heat of it, this is the most important issue of all times. But, but really, this is, this is why division is so strong and why it breaks down. But, but, really, but really, most of the issues that divide today are not of ultimate importance. Instead, if you follow the way of Jesus, if you follow the better way of Jesus, the command to love is ultimate. The command to love is ultimate. There is nothing more important than receiving and living in the love of Jesus and the love that Jesus wants you to share with others. So remember this when political rhetoric starts to heat up in the coming months. It's not ultimate. The love of Jesus is more ultimate. And closely related to this is that you should hold your beliefs, especially your political views, with humility. You should hold your beliefs, especially your political views, with humility because you could be wrong. You could be wrong. Now, I know, well, I have this belief, and maybe it's a naive belief, but I have this belief that, that most people generally hold their political beliefs. You hold your political beliefs because you think that that's what's best. You think that that's probably what's best for most people in the nation. And so you think that if your political beliefs and your political ideologies or your candidate get elected, that it is the best, maybe the, the best, not of all possibilities, but the least, the least bad possibility, okay? Let's be honest here. But, but you have this idea that, that the, the, you're the way you vote or the way you think is probably the least bad or perhaps the best way to go about doing it. But here's the deal. You could be wrong. You could be wrong. I know it's hard to imagine. It's never happened before. But you could be wrong. So, so don't hold your beliefs and your opinions so strongly. Remember, receiving and living the love of Jesus and sharing that love with others is the most important thing. And the last thing is to engage with others. That's what Jesus did. He engaged with somebody who was different from him. Jesus gave his followers to, to a commandment to love each other. He said that, that people outside of the church are going to recognize the followers of Jesus by how much they love each other, of how much they, they love. And so what that means is that they have relationships and friendships and encounters with people outside of the church. And in other words, that they have and create community with people outside of the church. And we want people outside of the church to recognize those who follow Jesus as people who act differently because that's what we want to share. And, and they know, they know these people in the church, they know that division breaks, but the people be can begin to see in our neighborhoods and our communities that even though division breaks, that community creates unity in Jesus. And there perhaps is a better way. So think about what this would look like. Think about what it would be like if our church really lived into and embodied this example of Jesus. I mean, you and I could, could be an alternative voice in our community. An alternative community of what love could look like. 
an alternative to the division that breaks and tears apart. And then I think about the story that, that Jesus told us, that John told us about Jesus meeting this Samaritan woman and, and, and how they met across the divides. And then by the end of the encounter, more and more people from the town were coming together to escape the division, the bonds of division, and to find this community of unity in Jesus. Think about the impact this could really have. I mean, really have if, if people of faith became known once again by the unity and the love of Jesus. This doesn't mean that you have to create unity everywhere and, and believe exactly the same thing, but if you just found common ground in the love of Jesus with other people of faith, the impact that this could have on the witness to the world. And this doesn't mean that you ignore you know, fundamental beliefs or other foundational truths. There's place for that. But I think that you and I and, and people of faith have an opportunity to show the world a different way of being. A show the world an alternative to division. And that alternative is found in the bonds of love that Jesus creates. Because division breaks, but community creates unity in Jesus. So as you and I approach a season of division, you have the opportunity and you have a choice. Will you choose the division of our culture? Will you allow that to eat you up on the inside and, and, and tear up your, your, your stomach and your friendships and your relationships and your family and, 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 and people that could be your friends? Or will you choose to, to focus, to focus instead on the love and the community that is possible through Jesus? And as you focus on that, allow this to be the center, the anchor, by which you encounter the world, and all could be changed, and all could be brought together, and hope could really be found. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. The divisions that we see around us are so great. Perhaps some of us this morning are, are thinking that the divisions are just, just too big. Maybe somebody's thinking, preacher, you don't understand. That might be nice for you. That's not the way it is. Lord, you show us a different way. Open our hearts to your better way, to where a community can be created in love. We can bear across differences so the differences don't have to divide, but, but we can see commonality and, and other human beings and other followers of Jesus through your love. Help each one to search for that in their own lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. There's nothing that God can't do, a, a way and a power that makes a way possible, even when we think nothing else is possible. So go in the power of God this day. Receive the love of God this day and share it with those near to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.